This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, Manhattan Beach, California. I have a fellow prior investment banker and now CEO of one of the largest fitness boutique operators, Todd Wilder. Welcome to the Halo Talks. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. So you want to give your uh, your quick personal background just so uh, other entrepreneurs know where they could get to if they're currently working on an Excel model in a uh, investment bank, you could potentially get to this, uh, this more enjoyable <laughs> and fun hobby that we've turned into a business. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So I started out at DLJ in investment banking and I think was an investment banker for almost 24 years. And every stop, you know, that I made along the way, was a very entrepreneurial kind of endeavor. I'd say DLJ was as entrepreneurial as it got. It built businesses inside of itself and really kind of gave you an opportunity to see high growth in action and watch people manage high growth. And from there, I was at UBS, which again is a big name, but the investment bank wasn't as developed as, as it ultimately became. And in 2007, I was part one of the founders of a firm called Bolison Company, which is obviously now a much bigger firm with offices all around the world. My in investment banking, I spent a lot of time in high growth then sectors. So in consumer health wellness, I spent a lot of time advising companies, uh, specialty finance areas that had a lot of entrepreneurs. I was always sort of drawn to that, quite frankly. And when I was able to, in 2016, I developed an idea, well, which is Box Union, which is an operator of fitness boxing studios in Los Angeles, California. And from there, you know, our goal was always to really grow the business. So we looked at, you know, coming from my background of investment banking, we always looked at different ideas of how could we grow it, you know, both physically, digitally, um, through acquisitions, et cetera. And so, you know, really the skill set that I was developing and owning and honing in on through my investment banking career really allowed me, I think, ultimately to be able to then really thrive in becoming an entrepreneur and getting um, and an operator of a business, quite frankly, where you really need to be able to understand a lot of different things throughout the day. It's not just the product. It could be the healthcare benefits for the company. You have to be able to understand and pick apart an income statement. And I really think that actually leads you to make better decisions when you can kind of think holistically about it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I got brought up in the, in the DLJ uh, area as well from 95, 96. And I always felt like when I actually started running a business that I, I actually felt what it meant to, to like change assumptions in the Excel model and actually have to physically do it. And I was like, holy shit, like I can't just plug in like 30%, you know, top line growth. And like, it'll just show up. Like I got to hire people. I got to ramp them up. I got to buy them a laptop. I got to train them. I mean, so from, from your standpoint, did you like fully appreciate like, what I was doing in investment banking, like when these guys were putting up numbers or these women were putting up these types of numbers, like how much it actually took to actually do it. I mean, it's a whole new appreciation for how business works, right? Yeah. You know, it was like, we, we maybe had a couple in an Excel sheet, you had a couple of line items for revenue, like three or four expense line items. Then you realize like payrolls, 12 different line items. Right, right, <laughs> going, right. Oh, bonuses. Wait, we've got to pay bonuses. <laughs> right. And how you think about it. And but I do think like that Excel training, you know, when I look at the people in my company, 
And, you know, you have to have a mix of both. You got to have your creatives and your people driven by something else that maybe aren't totally constrained by the numbers. But then at the end of the day, it's based in numbers. And whether you're looking for investment, you know, whether you just need a profitable business, whatever it is you need, but you definitely learn how many inputs go into each line item of of an Excel. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I got ADD. Everybody knows that. So I'm not going to shy away from it. I'll just kind of assume it's like a superpower, but you know, doing, doing investment banking, you know, you're going deal to deal, you know, I got like 90 or 180 day sprint. I'm I'm closing them on to the next deal. I kind of like turned that into my lifestyle. So how have you either psychologically changed your point of view to say, Hey, I'm actually building a business. And, and to give you a quote, like my prior boss back in the day, Peter Brockway said to me, look, you know, if I build something of value when I'm done with that and I want to sell it, someone's going to pay me for the value that I've created, but it's like a singular focus versus like, Hey, I'm going to help a lot of people. And I'm like a deal guy. So talk about that psyche. Yeah. No, it's it's a that's a great question because that is the how you get trained in investment banking. You're just constantly moving the next to the next. The reality is in a company, honestly, it's not that different. I mean, again, if you look at my schedule in a day, it's like eight different deals in a day. They, the deals might not point. be raising money, it might not be, but it's you know, you're dealing with a human resource, you're dealing with a lease, you're dealing with, you know, where's the next place to grow. Now I'm dealing with franchisees. You, 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 everything's a relationship, building that relationship with people. And that really is what investment banking is, right? It's, it's building a relationship. It's getting um, analytical enough to understand what you're talking about, right? It's, so yes, we're not going deal to deal to deal, but we're going topic to topic to topic. It works with my ADD as well, too. Yeah, no, that's a now, great, that's a great one. I am beyond focus, like what you said, Peter said, like, that's what I believe. I fundamentally believe I'm not looking at the value every single day. It's not a publicly traded company or anything right. like that. I am building the long term. And if I build it right, I will not only have made a lot of money for you know our shareholders, but then in inside the business, we just bought all of our franchisees. And that's what I talk about. How do we actually all work together to grow real value? So I actually... I think it does work well running a company because you're just moving, you know, I could go have a whole digital conversation. I can go really deep on that in marketing. And then I can go to the physical business. I can go to, you know, there's so many different areas that we do touch on that. It, it works well with ADD. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one point to make that I'm, that I'm sure you'll agree with, you know, investment banking actually teaches you the right to, to ask the right questions. And like, you know, so maybe kind of touch on that. Like what's, it's like when we get involved in a company, sometimes they want to sell the company, but they don't actually understand like what the drivers of their company are. It's almost like you got to unpeel it backwards and then fast forward it. So talk talk about how you think about that. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I think that's why I said early on here that I investment banking is an unbelievable training ground. I don't care what you want to do. You want to be a career investment banker. You want to be a private equity person, venture. You want to run a company. You want to work in a company, whatever it may be. My team will always say to me, like, how did you know that was the right question? Right. Uh But it's really that ability to you don't have to be an expert in every facet of your business as the CEO or the person running a department in a company. You know, there's going to be someone even, you know, if you're the VP of marketing, there's someone that's in the your, your analytics manager who may know something you don't know. 
right? They may know how to run the model or run, you know, calculate the number better than you can and quicker and get to access the information. Do they know though what it actually needs, what you're what you're really getting at and what you're driving at and why? And then how to therefore do your job, run your piece of your business in a better way. And I think, you know, other than being in models, being exposed to CEOs, being exposed to private equity professionals, that's where you know, I really developed that skill. That's where I sharpened that skill. You've got to listen. You've got to, you've got to understand what they're getting at. Because it's not just about the question in front. Can you sell your company? Yeah, you can sell your company. But what? how are they going to be looking at it? And you have to have thought through all that by the time you get to someone like you. Yeah. So, you know, pivoting to the acquisition you guys made on, on title boxing uh, and, and talking about, you know, becoming a, a franchisor. Now you're kind of waking up every day and you're like, look, I got to help other people run their business profitably. And I, I get taken care of, you know, for that. You know, one of the questions that a lot of franchisees always ask me, um, you know, when they're ta- when we're talking about different concepts, they always want to know, like, who's the owner of the franchisor? Like, what's the composition? Like, do I want to kind of attach myself as a magnet and, and do these, does this management team make good decisions? So like to, to take it back for a second, you know, when Planet Fitness was a great success story, but the private equity really didn't start coming into Planet Fitness until there was a private equity ownership change. And it was a predictable franchisor that they weren't going to do things that were outside of certain guardrails. So how do you think about like you're having a franchisee of title understand like, hey, I'm bringing in people that are resident experts and we are actually here to support you like a trampoline. We're not here to just kind of like extract money from you from above. Exactly. So the word, the key word you said there was support. Mm-hmm. So when you look at franchisors, they come in all shapes and sizes. Many franchisors, the way they fund their business early on is they sell franchises. Mm-hmm. So the big focus is what's called franchise franchise development. And that's, you know, on average, maybe you're collecting 40,000, 45,000, depending on, you know, this, the, the concept, but you're, you're collecting a fee for every franchise you sell. Well, so you start selling, right? 20, 30, 40 of these. Now you have the working capital for your business. So what happens is a lot of franchisors become sales organizations. They are fundamentally sales organizations. And then all they're focused on is how do I sell the next one? How do I sell the next one? However, Without actually focusing on what happened. And exactly. <laughs> in the unit and so what happens ultimately is you pick your head up in that, in that issue and you go, wait a second, how are the franchisees performing that I sold to? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I always say, I don't want to be a salesperson. I want people who want to buy these things, not who want to be sold a franchise. So to me, what we're rolling out and what we were really excited about when we acquired Title Boxing Club is is we're operators at our core. We are operators of studios. We are aligned with our franchisees. So what they see is us bringing in, we brought just brought in Justin Godry, who is the COO at Gold's Gym. Mm-hmm. Carissa Finley, who was running learning and development at Elements Massage, which is part of WellBiz Brands. We're, we have many more people who are on the way and we're, and we're working through all have, making sure we have the right people in the right seats on the right bus. So for us, we talk about it with our franchisees as a franchisee-centric service model. Sales will come when COVID recedes further 
People are ready to enter fitness again, and we will be there to, to really achieve that and have something that franchisees are excited about. But fundamentally, it doesn't end when you sell the franchise and you make the money. It ends, and I this is what I tell our franchisees, my goal is to be able to see what you've seen at Planet Fitness, what you've seen at Orange Theory, where we can create multi-unit operators of the of franchisees that have significant value and private equity, family offices, et cetera, are interested in investing in them. And that's when we will have reached success because we will have earned every dollar our franchisees pay for us and we will work around the clock. And I will tell you, investment banking gave me a lot of this. As I said before, mm-hmm. there was, there's two main things, investment banking. There's relationships, right? Building relationships, being able to help a franchisee understand their income statement and have that conversation. But three is always being available. Like, like when you're a DLJ, right? Just, I mean, right. They, you were always available. Like you, you, when the beeper went off, you were like, okay, who do I got to call? And you, you know, and, and you went and you did that. That's the culture we're, we're building. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, when you look at these, um, I, you touched on a nerve because somebody said to me, oh yeah, we got this franchise sales group out there and they brought in, you know, 300 locations. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what are they selling? How are they selling it? Who are these people that are buying it? And then, and then I look at like an orange theory or planet fitness and they're like, look, we're not, I'm not paying somebody to go and sell my product. One, I'm not giving them 50% of the initiation fee and a percentage of royalties, but also like word of mouth in the franchising. If, if you're a unit operator for a planet fitness or an orange theory or massage envy, the one thing you love to do is tell your friends how much money you're making. Right. And this was like an awesome franchise decision. And then that's how you sell territories. So, you know, when you think about kind of like from an investment banking mindset and from what you're doing, like if I nail the model and I nail the experience and I nail the support, like, I don't even have to do outbound. I just have to take inbound calls. That That's correct. You're, you're so right. I mean, again, this business, remember, to me, it goes to the funding of the business. You're talking about a lot of concepts that where the people who started them, maybe great entrepreneurs have a great concept, a great idea. They don't have the capital. So they oh. enter the franchising space very early to, de- to build the working capital. Then what they do is they go to the broker network, which is what you're referring to, which could pay out 50 to 80% of the dollars to mm-hmm. sell these so that they can get enough of them out there to keep selling. But they're not going to ultimately break that 30, 40, 50, 60 set, like, units until they have great operations, a great brand, and then they're going to start making money. But it's a yeah. it's a working capital draw. You know, that's the issue. So that's why they do it. They go out and they use third parties to sell. You know, they take a little bit of the money. Um, you know, the franchisor collects a little bit. The broker takes most of that money. So our focus is get the operations going coming out of COVID, build in our own internal organic sales force. Marketing is a key to that business. Marketing is a key to our Physical business, marketing is a key to our digital business, you know, and what we're, look, what we're really excited about with Title Boxing Club is to really take what we did was create a consumer centric programming, you know, model and bring that to more people. That's fundamentally why we really are excited about Title Boxing Club and what that scale gives us. 
You know, one thing about, you know, title boxing and, and box union, and I would say there's a couple of really strong operators that have company-owned locations. And the one thing I hear from most Orange Theory members is they get unbelievable results, right? So, like, when you think about the member and, like, what the member and the programming is, if you could some, show someone physical body change within a 60 or 90-day period, like, they become your marketing tool, right? Because they're like, how'd you do that, right? It'd be like, oh, I'll go to Title Box or I'll go to Box Union. So I feel like some franchisors, you know, might have like mashed together, like, all right, I, I know like cycling's important. So like, let me do like a cycling and let me do like an aerial yoga and like somehow mash those two together. It's like, well, did, was that like, did it solve a personal frustration? Is there like, just <laughs> some physical circus. result? It's a circus business. Yeah, it looks like some physical result that you're that you're gonna get from this program. So, like when you think about boxing, I mean, it's obviously been one of the best workouts you could do for probably eighty years. So, how do you think about like the traditional component of like, hey, this works, and now I'm actually put building a business around it instead of like a boxing club? Correct. So, so one of the big things that we're focused on is yes, we're in boxing, but let's be clear, we're in fitness boxing. Fitness boxing. Absolutely. For a new customer coming in, we got to show them that, you know, you're going to achieve your goal, whatever that goal might be. And a lot of those goals, obviously, in the beginning are focused around weight loss, getting in shape, etc. The most interesting piece that I found out as we were owning Box Union, and again, we always were focused on consumer centric, making decisions based on data, getting feedback back from our members, our former members, et cetera. One of the most interesting pieces of information that we came across was that when we surveyed our consumers, 40 to 50% of our consumers came back and said the reason they stayed with Box Union was for mental clarity and stress release. Nice. That is really you know, honestly, Pete, that's what I want to tap into. I've always said you could get to your point. You could combine six different things and have a tricycle that takes you around to all the places in the gym, right? And you're always moving. Did, did, you, know, did you know I own a tricycle? I actually own a tricycle. <laughs> you have to put that in the caricature, gentlemen. Go ahead. So you could do that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but how you make people feel yep. is really what's important. Losing weight and all that, by the way, Nutrition's a part of that, all of it. But when I heard that and I see what's going on in COVID, you know, when we start to really uh, um, accelerate our national ad spend and our international ad spend, this is what I want to tap into. Because to me, that's the reality. People are stressed. People have anxiety. And boxing is a cathartic experience. Hitting something just makes you feel better with whatever stress there is. And, you know, that's not a spin bike. That's not a treadmill. But we as an industry and we as the leader in the industry are going to take this to heart and get this message out there. To me, that's the key. Yep. And that's ultimately leads to retention. And anyone who knows anything about our business knows the acquisition is one thing. It's that retention on the back end, which is actually what drives the results of the studios. Agreed. So when, when you take a look at buying a business, um, obviously you're buying title boxing, you bought it, you know, during COVID, 
you got franchisees that probably, you know, maybe got some PPP money, maybe they're operating at 50%, you know, they're just trying to get by, you know, and you come in and say, Hey, look, here's what we're going to do for you. But you know, this doesn't, just cause I bought the business doesn't mean all this is going to happen overnight. You know, you can read a good press release, but like, so how do you kind of, you know, you're probably like me, like I want everything done yesterday, but it's not realistic. Right. So, you know, how do you kind of like, communicate that look we're here we're gonna figure this out we're gonna infuse some of what we do we're gonna bring on the best people but like you gotta give me a year or you gotta give me sit like what do you what do you say it's it by the way it's exactly what you're saying so first of all communication communicate 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 i communicate broadly i probably talked to almost all of our franchisees at this point individually mm-hmm. i spent an hour i'll spend an hour and a half i want to get to know them i want to understand what drives them but I tell them, you know, we are changing the team. We're focused on our people, creating culture. I always say culture first, right? We want to be in the franchisee-centric service model. I got to get the people. If I don't have all the people in the right seats, I don't even have all the right seats called for today and what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start to get into a communication Um, and committees with them where we're not just top down telling you what you need, but bottom up. And we're going to meet you in the middle there because something that's interesting in what you said, I have some franchisees. They're amazing small business owners. They're making more money than they were pre COVID because they've morphed their model. And they're, Mm -hmm. you know, with some small businesses going out of business, et cetera, you know, they've, they've gone out to acquire customers. It might be more small group or small, a little bit more private training. It might be outdoors, you know, et cetera, but they've, they're innovative, right? And so we want those ideas also coming from the franchisees. So it's really about communication, setting expectations. I got my team going around the country, um, you know, kind of constantly and taking workouts, meeting people, you know, and so that's really what it is. I, I always say, you know, honesty, transparency, open communication. You know, you'd be surprised, right? How often people are, they're trying to hide something at, you know, because at the franchise or, or even at the franchisee. And I'm like, let's just, we're going to show you what we do. And then right. and we're going to have right. metrics that govern it. So absolutely. Cause I'm like you and my team would say, Todd, Todd, you told me that yesterday. Right, exactly. I'm like, well, why not? There's only like 160 of these. Like, how hard is it to roll out and make it happen? But, you know, that's, by the way, but that's myself as a leader to show them the strategy, the direction, where we want to go. But I have great people on the front lines executing right behind me. And they want want me to keep pushing them and, and, and they push me back. Yeah. No, it just made me think that like if you're if you're the visionary, you better be thinking more like the next week, right? So like you're <laughs> kind of so, supposed to, I'm supposed to be in 2022, and I'm like reporting back to you like what I think is gonna where we need to be, right? So exactly. Well, I, by the way, in many ways, it's probably easier to be a visionary in a really really big company than it is in like you know a company that's a little bit smaller. Obviously, we got more people now than we ever had, but still like. You know, you got you're still doing a lot of different jobs at once in a lot of these companies. Um, So you got to have the work ethic, you know, to do that. Great. So in closing here, you got any good uh, quotes for us that uh, from your days in banking or currently that people uh, say, oh, Todd says that all the time or some something you live by? 
No, no. I, well, I do have one that I would that I would give you. Um, that I, I won't I won't tell the per- I won't say the person's name who said it to me. Um, but he called me into his office one day, and I was looking a little tired, as we tended to in in the mid nineties at, mm-hmm. at DLJ. And and he looked at me, and he goes, "Are you tired?" And I said, "You know, I'm a little bit tired." He goes, "Well, Todd, I just got to tell you, sometimes you know you just gotta." drop the horse and pick up another one. So if you're too tired, just let me know. I got someone else who wants your job. And I'll be honest, I've approached the rest of my career that way. As I've raised capital from private equity, you know, super successful private equity folks and, and, and successful entrepreneurs, I've always viewed that I'm in service to them, that this is my job. No one's going to outrun me around the track. And mm-hmm. I literally do say that. And I, as you ask me that question, it must be the horse analogy to oh, why great. I actually say you got to st- keep up with me around the track. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's that's not easy in the business we're building because, you know, we got a physical business, but we got this aggressively growing you know, unbelievable digital business right now. And so we're running around a lot of tracks to deliver more for our customers around the world. And that's what we're really excited about. So, um, if, you know, that's, that's what you get at the box union title boxing club brand. You get some hard workers, people running around some tracks. Awesome. All right. It sounds like a lot of winning to be had. So look forward to, uh, tracking your success, getting to, uh, know you and your team and uh, being helpful along the way. And you are now officially Halo certified company and a Halo CEO. So welcome to the team. Uh, thank you, Pete. Well, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, our, our DLJ roots is always like, you know, something where you, you really build relationships from. So I can't wait to spend more time with you and, and your team. Awesome. All right, man. Have a thank good you. afternoon. All right, talk Bye-bye. to you soon, buddy. I want to thank my friends at Burn, B-R-R-R-N, for sponsoring this podcast. They are the innovative company behind the world-renowned Burn Board. Many of you don't know, I was one of the top roller hockey players in all of Nassau County back in 1988 to 1990. If I had a Burn Board, watch out, I would probably be an NHL legend. Got a seven-day free trial on their on-demand library of hundreds of workouts. $30 off the purchase. Check it out at shop.theburn.com. We'll have it in the show notes. Use the checkout code HALO and go burn it on the burn board. Ice hockey in your living room at home fitness. Low cost, low tech, low impact. Go HALO. Burn it up.